Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined on this Friday by Denny Carter, Patrick Bennett, Darty. Gentlemen, uh, it was our first podcast together last week. I very much felt like the third wheel, uh, but I will tell you that there were some rave reviews out there for the dynamic duo of Denny and Pat. People were into it. I I don't know why Pat gets his middle name called out in the intro. I'm a little put <laughs> off by that, but uh, you know we can talk about that after the show. Because Josh, the third wheel, uh, can't pronounce my last name, so then he's overcompensating now by saying my entire name. Uh, wait, how do you? Wait, do, am I pronouncing it wrong? No, no, Pat, Pat. Yeah, you are. You're doing it wrong. Do it again. Doherty. No, that's right. Pat, Pat, this is going to drive me up the wall. Like, this is going to drive me insane because he said Darty, like I say Darty, and then you say, no, it's Darty. And I just apparently add way too many syllables, way too many letters, and a last name that I would count in my head roughly as nine letters right now when it, you want it to be about five letters, Pat. It is nine letters, yeah. but you make it hard and clipped. Yeah, the pronunciation. So pronounce it like it's like five or six letters. Change it. D-A-R-D-Y. For us, change it for everyone out I'm there. Half, half Irish, half German. I pronounce my Irish last name like in a very German manner, just fast right, and clear. Right. You, you, uh, well, I kind of, I find myself kind of slurring it, Doherty. <laughs> yeah, well, slurring is better. Well, you know, that's how they do it's it. It's not better. Slur, slurring is not actually a good thing. Back on the island, they do slur it. Um, so we're going to do CD Carte. Right. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, my, no one can mess up my names. Constantly when I say my last name, and this will not surprise any of you, they're like, oh, like Chuck. And so I have to, you know, constantly, <laughs> yeah, like, like it's, you know, 2003 all over again. Uh, right, but like, right. I, I have to constantly lean on, oh, yeah, that's my like second cousin, uncle once oh. removed type thing. And it's just the worst little that's dynamic, rough. small talk conversation that you can possibly Man. have with a stranger. If yeah. I had five seconds back, from every single one of those interactions, I would at least have an extra day in my life. That I've that's had right, to... yeah. And your and your soul would be less destroyed because that's a soul killing <laughs> thing to have to do. I might time. smile every once in a while if that didn't happen to me, Denny. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to sixty percent on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. 
Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, speaking of smiling, Denny, I actually have a question for you. You know, last yeah, yeah. night, as one does uh, in lockdown, I was perusing Twitter and I saw someone who may or may not have previously worked for this company say mm-hmm. that all fantasy leagues should, should eliminate the kicker position. Uh, I give you the floor, Denny, to give your rebuttal or to just, you know, convey whatever feelings you are feeling in this moment. I uh, thank you. First of all, um, <laughs> It's a very Chuck Norris type gesture on your part, <laughs> but the, um, I don't know what that means, but the, uh, I, I don't, I don't get the, um, the vitriol, uh, for, for the kicker spot. Like people get so fired up about, you know, hating the kicker. It must be eliminated from every league, every format, no matter what. I, I don't feel that strongly about any position, even team defense, which stinks, right? That's, I mean, that, even that's tight end premium have. or even oh, your family. God. Like you don't feel yeah. that strongly about your family. <laughs> I mean, I mean, people are just, you know, they're like, if you're not an idiot, then you'll eliminate kicker from all your leagues. I'm like, sheesh, like <laughs> kicker's more more kicker's more predictable than I don't know, running back. I mean, I mean, statistically it is like TJ Hernandez at four for four has done work showing that kicker is uh more projectable, more easily projectable than than some of the main positions in, in fantasy. So there is there is a skill to it, you know, and I, I write a lot about kickers, obviously. So this is this is my bias. But just because it's not a position where the guy's flying into the end zone or throwing it 80 yards downfield or or juking out defenders, running over people. I think that that's that's the like the psychological issue with with the kicker spot is that they're just kicking a ball. But it's still counts. It's still points. Where I think your response could have just been uh, it's called football. Well, yeah, yeah, that would have been easier. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's my response, and it didn't fly over quite well here. So maybe it wouldn't. And then Roto World Pod synergy. Do you remember the old Conan O'Brien skit where he would pull a lever mm-hmm. and it would just play a random Walker Texas Ranger Chuck Norris clip? We need a yes. lever to pull that just forces Denny to talk about kickers. There we and go. So Josh pulls the lever, and then Denny goes into a kicker spiel. And you can do you can do it, and I'm I'm ready. I am armed. Ready Good. with a hundred kicker takes right off the bat. So today we actually have a, I think, an important topic. There have been some drastic ADP changes since sixty days ago, two months ago, early June, that have greatly impacted your fantasy draft. So I wanted to outline some of the names at each and every position that have risen off draft boards, that have fallen in drafts. Kind of answer the why, and also ask and answer if we're still in on these players at their adjusted ADP. So let's start off with the quarterback position. Uh, Pat, obviously the name that has climbed the most is Cam Newton, up 74 points in drafts right now, 74 spots. And he's now the quarterback 
sorry, he's now the quarterback 15. You know, he's going after or around players like Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers, ahead of Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff. Does that sound right to you, Pat? It does. And first off, uh, may God rest the Hall of Fame game's soul. Uh, just a dark moment in this nation's history. No Hall of Fame game. And uh, I also have the whole spiel. I was, for some reason, just fantasizing about putting like a silver dollar in Denny's back. And that makes him talk about kickers. I was just like thinking of all these weird ways we could force Denny to talk about kickers. But you don't have to force me at all. Yeah, it's true. It is true, actually. Uh, it does feel right to me. Josh, you've heard the spiel from me a few times where it, I kind of considered the place where I instantly placed Cam in my head once he signed with the Patriots was like in like the Daniel Jones tier. And I was separating a little bit from Daniel Jones his ADPs two spots ahead of Daniel Jones. And that just feels right to me. It's like kind of the perfect Cam Newton hedge because we all know like uh, a right Cam Newton will be a QB one, but we also know yeah, since midway through the 2018 season, uh, you know, the foot is a major concern, but as we've said over and over again, it's really the shoulder and we still don't know how the shoulder is. And that is going to define his 2020 season. And that's just an appropriate, it's like a perfect hedge for me, uh, for Cam Newton. You get him right on the QB one, two borderline. You're clearly not going early QB if you're getting Cam Newton, but then if you're waiting on the QB, like we all do, uh, that's so much upside to be getting like the QB 14 to 16 range. And would you rather bet on Cam Newton or would you rather bet on Daniel Jones? I would probably still rather bet on Cam Newton. So that, that, that does feel just about perfect for Cam for me. Denny, what about the likes of Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Brian Tannehill had a great season last year. Even Jared Goff, who has previously had productive fantasy seasons. Are you taking Cam Newton over any of those names? Mm. I, I mean, honestly, uh, like a fully healthy, if we if we can get a sense that he's going to enter week one uh, fully healthy or close to it, then yes, I would I would probably want Cam over all of those all of those guys, including obviously Rogers. I mean, if you if he's getting back to you know a point where he's going to have a hundred plus rushing attempts uh, in a season as he did um, during his very productive years in Carolina then QB 15 is a deal. I mean, if he's back to, to that sort of uh, uh, production and, and opportunity on, on the ground, you know, because quarterback rushing obviously means so much in fantasy football, uh, then it would be hard for him to not finish uh, in the top seven or eight uh, quarterbacks. And I, I think I'm kind of being uh, generous. Now, if, if he's not, uh, I'm sorry, conservative, I meant conservative, not generous, but, um, but you know, I, if, if it's, uh, if it's not clear about, you know, if he's going to enter the season at full health, then I, I, I might hedge a little bit, but I'm with Pat. I mean, a QB 15, why not? It is a why not situation. And I mean, quarterback position we've talked about so often this summer, it is so freaking deep that mm-hmm. if you do wait until that quarterback 12, quarterback 13, quarterback 14, like have other people in your league take two quarterbacks where you still select one. There's a chance that you still do extremely well. Uh, And I go back and forth here though with Cam a little bit because I mean, no one I think will stand for Cam more than me in my lifetime. Like I think that the vitriol that he has faced and you know, he hasn't certainly been a perfect person in a lot of his interactions, but just in terms of his play on the field, I don't think he has ever gotten enough credit for how intelligent of a passer he is and how much of a pocket passer he is. Now, to your point of him having that rushing success, that's absolutely a factor. And I I 
certainly would expect Josh McDaniels for his first time in New England to have a player who has some mobility and, and some rushing prowess to use that effectively and in spots. Absolutely. Kind of maybe like Ryan Tannehill did a couple times per game last season. But, you know, the time period where we saw six to eight to maybe more carries a game and especially in those crucial goal line situations, because I think Cam is still potentially the best goal line back of our generation, uh, mm-hmm. short yardage back of our generation. I, I, I do wonder if that same ceiling is there. But, Pat, we've also already seen the type of offense that, you know, cares about layups and short passes and, and quick passing game. And Cam greatly succeeded in that the last time he was, quote, unquote, healthy on the field. Yeah, this is a spiel I've had before, too. Like, he's actually – this is, like, the offense for Cam Newton because it's set up to run. You know, they have a lot invested in their interior line. Uh, They've been transitioning to the run solely for two or three years. And when they do pass, they want it to be, you know, high-efficiency layups, make sure you're getting the easy completions. And Cam did that. And for, like, uh, not the first time in his career, but the most sustained stretch of his career in the first half of the 2018 season. So – Basically, what we saw from Cam the last time he was healthy, Cam, is almost the perfect quarterback for this offense. And I agree with Denny. Like, if we could get some evidence this summer that, like, he's, like, the real Cam Newton again, I mean, I'm, I'm putting him then in, like, the Josh Allen tier, like the QB 7-9. Yeah. to nine. The problem is, I mean, we're going to – it's going to be all hearsay and conjecture. I mean, we know the Patriots are, like, smoke signals to begin with, but – now, you know, with no joint practices, no preseason, it's just going to be very hard to kind of get like that smoking gun evidence. And I think mm-hmm. he'll probably ultimately still feel most comfortable in like the QB 12 to 16 range. But if we got some evidence, yeah, QB 7 to 8 would be uh, more appropriate. And I mean, we always like to stay away from injuries, right? But this isn't like you're spending a top three round pick on a player who's coming off an injury. You know, I mean, again, it's the quarterback 15 at the position that's probably the deepest in fantasy football. So if it doesn't work out, if his shoulder does decline as the year goes along, Denny, then it's easy just to pivot away to either a matchup based. Um, pivot to Stidham. <laughs> or or, or at least uh, to a, a player who almost certainly will get dropped in your league because, again, the quarterback position is, is so deep this year. Yeah, I mean, in in one in one quarterback leagues, the waiver wire uh, is full of starters every week, you know, and right. and you know they may not put up Mahomes type numbers, but that's that doesn't matter. I mean, it's just such a replaceable position in fantasy. I, I do want to mention one thing about two quarterback leagues, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, and I, I made sure of this right before the show. Cam Newton going in the eleventh round. I, hmm. I don't understand, but that is. Incredible value. Honestly, I would find him to be something of an auto pick in like the eighth round of a, of a two QB or super flex league. I can't imagine him dropping that far, but that's what it says. So, you know, if you're doing some drafts this this coming weekend or whatever, uh, you you just have to take him there. I was in a super flex the other night in the sixth seventh round. I I was like all in on Cam as my QB mm-hmm. two, and then I believe it's Mister Pat Thorman. Uh, did me dirty and I still haven't gotten over it. So <laughs> I found the other name interesting that has risen up draft boards and that is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is up 22 spots in his ADP. Now the quarterback 11. Um, he's going ahead of Matthew Stafford again, after some of the names I mentioned and Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield. Denny, is this just safety? Is this just understanding that this is the type of offense that he was able to be the quarterback eight last year in fantasy points per game and nothing has changed and maybe even it's improved this offseason? 
It's just investing in bonds in these right. uncertain times, Denny. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is not a show about stonks, though. So let's not get into that. Um, Yet. Uh, Maybe we have to but, pivot in, in October sometime, Denny. Who knows? Yeah, we might yeah. slowly be pivoting, finding our niche. I mean, Denny and I, who knows where the dynamic will go. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. We could we could pivot to stonks at any moment. So, the, um, so Breeze, yeah. I mean, a QB 11, you know, feels safe enough. I mean, the problem with, in, in a one QB league, the only issue you might encounter is that you really are going to be uh, in a position where you have to take Breeze, Matt Ryan, or Tom Brady. Like the, those are the three who are likely going to be sitting there. Um, that's a tough call for me. Um, I Right now, I, I think I would lean Matt Ryan, uh, but the the two, you know, 48-year-old quarterbacks seem pretty uh, appealing as well. Um, you know, last year, uh, Breeze had a, um, uh, a touchdown rate uh, that was about uh, – a 1.5% higher than his career rate that, that, you know, makes me think a little bit about some regression, but that could be a function of him missing five games and only throwing like 370 or 380 uh, passes last year. Um, but you know, that it doesn't freak me out too much, but even, even if that touchdown rate comes down a little bit uh, this year, back to his, his career rate, uh, I can't imagine that he would finish below QB 11 or 12. So, you know, I, I don't think that his ceiling is baked into that ADP at all. It's, I mean, I don't really understand why Drew Brees' ADP would be moving over the course of the summer. I mean, I guess, like I said, just people, yeah, retreating to safety. Because, uh, yeah, Drew Brees' floor used to be 5,000 yards, and he's still uh, so safe. But now, you know, that's more like 4,000 yards now. And, I did think, you know, the most reliable metric is the eye test. And I did think that Drew Brees, uh, <laughs> he did look better to the eye test to me last year. But I just don't know why. I'd rather bet on Matthew Stafford, uh, who had never – hadn't missed a game in like eight or nine years until last year. I would rather bet on Cam Newton. I'd probably rather bet um, on Drew Brees than Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow or Dan- Daniel Jones. I, to me, Brees should be more QB 13, 14 than QB 11. And I just – I would rather get more – quote unquote guaranteed not get there's no such thing as guaranteed upside i'd rather get more upside at qb 11 than i feel like i'm going to get from drew Brees at this point and emmanuel sanders i don't have his adp here but he's being drafted around that wide receiver four territory despite you know basically that second receiver in a drew Brees, sean payton offense in recent years compiling like a combined 700 yards or yeah 700 yards and who knows if they can unlock that a little bit more i still think emmanuel sanders has a lot of game left in him but that will be interesting to watch this year. Let's shift over to the running back position. Uh, the start in New England, actually, and this is a two-parter here, because Damian Harris has moved up 36 spots, now the running back 55. Meanwhile, Sony Michelle has dropped 36 spots, and now the running back 43. We know that Sony Michelle is on the active pup list coming off his foot surgery. Uh, I was looking up stats, as one does, researching the podcast, Denny, and Sony Michelle had 247 carries last season and mm. ended as the running back 38 in fantasy points per game. Thought that was impossible, but we saw it last year. And despite this being only his third year, I believe, in the NFL, he is on a steep decline already. Right. That's uh, David Montgomery-esque, honestly. That, that's worse. It's worse. No, it is worse. It is worse, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want the... Montgomery truthers coming after me on Twitter. So I, I take that back, but um, yeah, I mean, just back to Harris r- real quick uh, if, as a zero RB uh, drafter myself uh, in 
in most formats. It's Damian Harris all day at RB55. I mean, you know, you don't have much to lose. Um, you're, you know, getting a guy who could end up getting a lot of carries in a, in a Cam Newton-led offense, which is obviously not a terrible thing for fantasy purposes, as, as we know, um, throughout the years. Uh, yeah, the, the, the injury to Michelle, the fact that he just has not done pretty much anything with his opportunity, except for, as people on Twitter will po- point out all day to me, every time I, I have something negative to say about Sonny Michelle, they point out that he had a good game two years ago against the Chargers in the playoffs. So, you know, that we can't, we can't, we can't forget that, you know, which I, I'm reminded of that every day for some reason. I think he fell into the end zone twice. Uh, so the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Harris at that ADP and I, I'm just not interested in, in even if at, you know, RB 43 after falling what 36 spots, I'm still just not interested. Well, and to your point, Denny, he's now going around like backups. I mean, he's going around Alexander Madison. He's going around Philip Lindsay, Latavius Murray, Zach Moss. You know, some of those players need injuries in order to be startable each and every week. Pat, and again, I don't mean to laugh about Sonny Michelle because I actually really like Sonny Michelle coming out of college. He was a dynamic player at Georgia. It's obvious that his, his game has just declined because of these injuries. But again, 247 carries last year and now is being drafted along with backup running backs in this league. Yeah, I mean, it's the the hashtag bone on bone condition will unfortunately undo your career uh, very quickly. But the only so there's no pause, like Danny said, with Damian Harris is the RB 55. I mean, mm-hmm. That is like automatic like that. That workload upside is RB 55. That is automatic. The, the only thing that kind of gives me pause is like the Patriots had these same running back problems last year. And Damian Harris couldn't even get like on. He couldn't even get on the game day roster. You know, he was right. a healthy scratch most of the year so that is kind of bizarre to me but so i don't know did the patriots adding no running backs is that more of a vote of confidence in sony michelle or is it a vote of confidence in damian harris and it's just a strange situation i don't you know i assume the patriots would have added someone to their backfield and they just didn't you know maybe it's a vote of confidence in rex burkhead Uh, maybe he will stay healthy for the first time in several years and it's, it's there is this like uh there's plenty of Patriots mystery here, basically, where, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we, we know what makes sense. It would certainly make sense for them to begin phasing out Sonny Michelle and seeing what they have in Damian Harris. But we're just all kind of projecting and we, we truly do not know what they have planned here. Um, but again, an RB 55, that's automatic. Even RB 43 for Sonny Michelle at this point, that's getting pretty close to not, not automatic. But I mean, that like that is where I w- would pounce. Like to me, right. Sonny Michelle, no one wants to draft Sonny Michelle. But if it's the RB43, I mean, there's still a very easy case to make that he will be the lead back for a run-heavy offense uh, with Cam Newton as the quarterback. So both ADPs are nice. Danny, James White is going around running back 32, and we know that this Patriots backfield has always presented total unknowns. But circling back to our earlier conversation on Cam Newton, you know, he loves his layups now. He loves his outlets to running backs, and that almost certainly – and Damien Harris certainly did that at Alabama, but James White has been doing it, it seems like, for a decade in the NFL. I, I don't mind him at all there. Um, I don't end up getting him a whole lot because it feels like people are probably – the people I'm drafting with are usually more bullish on, on James White than I am, and maybe that's, that's uh, my bad there. But, I mean, maybe the play is just to draft like six New England running backs and see what happens. 
So you guys want to hear a, a stat that'll blow your mind? Um, yes. James White is no. the all-time NFL leader in receptions. Um, Got it. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's shift that over to another pass-catching running back. Uh, talk about stunning and shocking. This one made no sense. Tariq Cohen is up 24 spots in his ADP since June 1st. He's now the running back 35. Pat, last year he was the running back 46 in fantasy points per game. Explain this one to me like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't. I mean, it is a very narrow depth chart. You know, there's not a lot of mystery with the Bears running back depth chart. It's David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen and then Ryan Null. Uh, so we know that Tariq Cohen, they have no choice but to keep him involved. It's like a narrow overall offense. You know, it's Allen Robinson. And then, you know, Anthony Miller is a legit commodity. But then, you know, like is a Jimmy Graham, the third option. So I understand why uh, Tariq Cohen hasn't fallen off the face of the earth. But the Tariq Cohen statistic, I cannot get over. And, you know, yards per catch, whatever. You're not going to judge a player based on something like a – a stat like that really lack context, but Tariq Cohen's 5.77 yards per catch last year was the lowest for any player at any position the entire decade with at least 50 catches. It's like these were just totally wasted targets for the Chicago Bears last year. And Tariq Cohen seems to have maybe blamed it on like poor conditioning. Like he basically said he wasn't in good enough shape, like wasn't ready for the grind last year. And that coming into his third year, he's more ready, he's more prepared. But yeah, I mean, we have not seen an efficient uh, – I mean, this is not like – he has not been a James White player so far through the first two years of his career, and you're really hoping for like a humongous improvement over a player who was just targets down the drain last year. Denny? I can't really answer – yeah, I can't really answer why his ADP would be rising so I, steadily we gotta do right something. Now. Normally, there's suspensions or injuries. Like right. for, we got to just move yeah. people for no reason. Basically, we're, we're, we're also know. bored that you know we just sit at home and be like, you know, now would be a good time to draft Tariq Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and, nice. and so I, I can't explain that, but but if you expect Chicago to be bad this year, and and I think we all do, uh, then he is going to get some run. You know, I mean, we 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 know the splits uh, between him and Montgomery in Chicago wins and losses, you know, over the last two seasons, uh, Cohen ranks behind only uh, James White, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Saquon Barkley in targets. Now I, I know Pat 
just he explained how inefficient he was last year with with his targets. Um, I don't know if that has to do with him being you know out of shape or whatever. I mean, but the Bears offense was a disaster last year, and you know basically no one produced except for Allen Robinson uh, in, in that offense. So I don't know if you can ju- if you can look at, at at a guy like Cohen and say. Well, you know, he could, he didn't do it last year, so I'm not I'm not taking him at RB35 this year. I don't know if I'm chasing him at RB35. I'm, I'm not like horrified by the ADP. One one factor might be Nick Nick Foles. Um, not that he's a massive upgrade at the quarterback position, but uh, last year in Foles' appearances in Jacksonville, uh, Leonard Fournette averaged nine targets a game, um, and I I think that you know that's worth considering maybe with Cohen. But yeah, so you laid out. I mean, there was context that awful number. And Tariq Cohen to me seems like a player who would be an effective, like a playmaker mm-hmm. in like a good offense. And uh, the exact the exact offseason narrative for him. Our most recent Roto World headline. This was the headline: Cohen doing more yoga after quote unquote slacking in 2019. So do with big that same. what you will. Yep, uh, yeah, big same for sure. Uh, Adjust the ranks, literally. <laughs> they have been adjusted already, did he? Okay, so before we move on, uh, I do have a few production or housekeeping notes to say. First of all, thank you all so much for those of you who are rating and reviewing the podcast. Again, August is always massive for us. The bigger audience we have, the better. So if you can tell one friend, again, if you can take 15 seconds on an iTunes and leave us five stars and rating and review, it really does go a long way to help other people find out about the show. And then for us to you... I know that many of you will be drafting this month, probably a little bit later on than usual because of the lack of preseason games. Um, but Rotoworld has basically completely redone their premium products. And we're very proud about them this year. And the best way to go and check them out is to go to rotoworld.com slash edge. Um, it's a monthly subscription, or you can do an annual subscription. If you do use an annual subscription, enter our promo code FBPOD10 at checkout and you get 10 bucks off. Um, I mean, they range from $4 a month to more than that, depending on which packages you want. But I know, Pat, that we have a ton of premium content in there now and even more for the next four or so weeks before week one kicks off. And I, I really think you all will learn something going over to rotorworld.com slash edge. Okay. I got to say, our most exciting feature when it comes to subscribing to the podcast is you can now go to Denny's house and subscribe in person. So, <laughs> Uh, take advantage of that if you it's a new feature that we're it's only in beta i wasn't supposed to say anything about it but yeah he will take signups in person at his house did did you read the fine print of the contract did he (laughs) i did yeah i mean it it it, uh it works and in like pat said it's in beta which makes sense because you're you're talking about coming to a beta's house uh to to hang out and to we could have a beer whatever seltzers this week has seltzers, whatever whatever your taste is. All right, let's move on over to wide receiver. Um, again, this is a, a doubleheader here. Brandon Ayuk is up 38 spots, now is the wide receiver 60, and Debo Samuel is down 51 spots, but still going as the wide receiver 40. Uh, Diddy, are you interested in Debo Samuel at all as the wide receiver 40? Because to me, I am not drafting him at all in any redraft leagues. I, I don't really un- understand um... – that ADP, I, I mean, are people not reading the blurbs? What's going on? I, I don't. They? Yeah, I'd be right. Exactly. Read, read some blurbs. Um, no, no, no. I, I think that that's still too high. Um, I mean, I guess like if you're in a deeper league, you, you take him. If he drops a, 
a few rounds beyond his current ADP. You'd take him in as, as maybe depth for later in the season, but um, I'm not quite sure what the appeal is <laughs> at, at that spot. And Pat with, let me actually, I'm trying to produce while also hosting the show. Um, with Brian Ayuk, I have him clearly behind Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs. Um, should I rethink that at all? I mean, I know the narrative that I bought into with Brandon Ayuk is that he didn't really develop at Arizona State. It was like one season of production, right? And then would have used this season to develop a little bit by playing behind or next to or less than Debo Samuel. But now he's going to be thrust into you know the spotlight because he's so good in his yards after catch capabilities. But at the same time, Pat, in like good offenses – we saw Debo improve as the season went along and develop. We saw DK Metcalf do it. So why can't, you know, Brandon Ayuk do it? And he's going, you know, so many picks after, again, the likes of Ruggs and Raker among those rookies. It is true. And we have a tendency to ignore things like, I mean, he is a first-round pick. I mean, the 49ers yeah. did see fit to invest a first-round pick in Brandon Ayuk. And, I, I mean, I have Henry Ruggs ahead of him. But, I mean, to me, that one's kind of I, – I think Jalen Rager's a no-brainer over Brandon Ayuk. But – Ruggs Ayuk is kind of more uh, up for debate to me. I feel like, you know, so the Raiders are going to force the issue with uh, Henry Ruggs, someone they took at number 12. I mean, John Gruden's like a point, a point prover. He's going to prove is a good pick, but the Raiders, you know, they don't need to force the issue as much as the 49ers probably do with Ayuk. The Raiders have a lot of places they can funnel targets where the 49ers, you know, without Debo now and, you know, Emmanuel Sanders gone and uh, there's this kind of less obvious places behind George Kittle, where like I feel like there's more up for grabs there, and yeah, I mean he's a literal first round pick, and both Rugs and Ayuk um, or people who maybe as a rookie, maybe early in their career, will kind of have to rely on manufactured touches. I just think when I look at the two uh, skill setups, the 49ers might you know the, the Raiders might, won't have to manufacture as many touches. I feel like for their pass catchers, where the 49ers will, and I think they might have more incentive to force the issue with Brandon Ayuk than the Raiders will with Henry Ruggs if that makes any sense whatsoever. So I'm assuming, because Justin Jefferson is going as the wide receiver 52 right now, that you would rather have Brandon Ayuk than Justin Jefferson. And I know your feelings about Justin Jefferson. Yes, yeah, the problem there is I can't get past my bias against Justin Jefferson and just not thinking he's good. Um, yeah. But the setup, it is hard to argue with the setup. So I, I, get back to me on that one. We'll do an entire podcast on that <laughs> one. We, we, we know Pat's feelings on Justin Jefferson, uh, Denny, since you are new to the crew. Mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on Curtis Samuel because he has moved up 17 mm-hmm. spots in the last two months. Now the wide receiver 53. We know he saw 20 uncatchable targets, 20 plus yards down the field. And if like three to five of those were completed, there would be, I think, a different narrative about Curtis Samuel this offseason. Is that just something that – People are seeing and they're buying into this Carolina offense as it goes along. And Curtis Samuel is that like dynamic piece that, again, basically you can exit every single draft you want to since he is, again, going as wide receiver 53. Right. I mean, you, you to your point, if he catches four or five of those balls, he's probably going at like wide receiver 30 right now. Uh, you know, so at 53, you know, I have in my notes, why not? And, mm-hmm. um, but especially because I think this Carolina offense has a little bit of sneaky upside. I, I talked about it a little bit in my uh, Teddy Bridgewater article a couple weeks ago on Roto World. Um, there's just, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. This is probably going to be a pretty fast paced, uh, ag- aggressive offense that is going to have to score, going to have to at least try to score a lot. Um, with a you know with a bad defense, 
uh, and a bad team in general. So a guy like Curtis Samuel profiles us as someone who's going to get at least some high value targets. And what else can you ask for uh, when you're talking about a, a wide a 53rd uh, receiver off the board? I mean, you could leave the draft as with, with Samuel as your wide receiver six or seven, you know, I mean, that's, I think that that's a, that's a pretty good spot, you know, good place to get him. Uh, uh, he's a good guy to stash uh, and see how that offense works out. Uh, other wide receivers going around his ADP include uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Renfro, and Larry Fitzgerald. So, you know, if you, it, I don't think that anybody would say that any of those guys have nearly the upside uh, as a Curtis Samuel. I'll just say about Curtis Samuel. So it makes sense definitely in the context of who he's being drafted around, but you know, with Joe Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, we're expecting efficiency. We're expecting an offense that's in like a value, a value efficiency above all else. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore are two already the best target hogs in the entire NFL. And Curtis Samuel is very inefficient uh, for the first few years of his career. Very few yards route per run last year. Seemingly still someone that kind of needs to have the issue forced with him. He's kind of a manufactured touch player and, just thinking about it that way, you know, then addition of another good receiver to the receiver core. Uh, obviously, I still believe in like Curtis Samuel's explosiveness and like his big play ability, but I just don't think the targets are going to be enough to really meaningfully change kind of his fantasy outlook uh, based on what happened last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of split about Carolina. One, I, I love DJ Moore and think he can end the season in top five in targets this year, but. You know, and and I, I think Hayden just wrote a column about garbage time on Road Order. That wasn't you, Denny. That was Hayden, right? That was me. No, it was Denny. God, that was Denny. <laughs> Denny. Sorry. It's Darty and bad. Denny wrote the column. Josh. Should have known that. Denny wrote My the bad. column. No, Denny, I uh, owe you a credit later. Uh, so <laughs> I, the reason I'm a little conflicted is because I know this defense is going to be bad, right? Like maybe the worst in the NFL. Right. But at the same time, I continue to buy into good offenses because they put up points, they win games, they score more points than their opponents. And so like, if we like DJ Moore, if we like Christian McCaffrey, if Ian Thomas is going as a top 16 tight end and, you know, now Curtis Samuel's a top 55 wide receiver and Teddy's like everyone's, you know, second quarterback pick. That's a lot to like in a bad team potentially. True. True. But I, I mean, you know, you're talking about top 55 wide receiver. Yeah. Like that's, oh, I still, hear you. you know, that's not, not too bad. No, but I, I agree. Josh, I agree. You even mentioned in that spiel that there is a new receiver that they're paying $10 million a year to right. that is just joining the receiver core. Who Who is going even further down around like wide yes. receiver 59 territory. So, all right. I, let's I just move interrupted on. Denny in the middle of a thought. Oh, you're, but, uh, you're no, good. no, that's no. I, I, I agree. I, I just, uh, Pat's point about opportunity uh, that is, you know, that's a, a question that I can't answer with Curtis Samuel. And I guess that's the, that's why he's going so low, you know, let's move on to a name who is falling in comparison to the other two wide receivers. This one is Mike Williams. He's down 17 spots now around wide receiver 50. And you might be asking, well, who else is going around that mark? Well, he's going after Jan Raker and Henry Ruggs and Sterling Shepard and John Brown, four names that we've talked about previously on the show, but Mike Williams is being drafted before Anthony Miller, Preston Williams, Sammy Watkins. I mean, Denny, I would say all three of those names that I just mentioned have significant injury questions in their past. Uh, 
and might not have or on the progression of their career like Mike Williams is? Is this just our subconscious dislike for Tyrod Taylor and his ability to make receivers relevant that we've dropped Mike Williams this much without anything happening in the world? Tyrod getting the the starting job potentially is probably not great news for, for Mike Williams or, or any uh, receiver uh, for the chargers. I, I, what I say that while also saying that I uh, believe Tyrod will be a very valuable uh, quarterback in fantasy this year because of the, obviously the rushing upside, but uh, I, I I'm fine taking Mike Williams there, but you're, probably not starting you, you won't find a reason to start him unless you're in a deeper league or a league with like a bunch of flex spots where you're just throwing guys in there and just you know just hoping for uh for, for a big gain or, or a touchdown which that's you know that's mike williams thing uh i guess the 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 one scenario in which he might emerge would be if the chargers struggle a lot with pass catcher injuries this year and he's kind of the last guy standing we've we've seen him put up big numbers when that's the case um, through, you know, through the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, I don't hate drafting him there. Am I targeting him? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, yeah, thankfully just, the chargers never deal with injuries. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And this is weird with Mike Williams. Cause I mean, he's clearly got some special traits. I mean, he averaged over 20 mm-hmm. yards for catch last year. Like you have to be, you're a different kind of player if you can do that in the NFL. But yeah, I mean, Terod Taylor, highly conservative. And I I think, honestly, Justin Herbert will make more starts and talk about, like, someone I expect to be very conservative early in his NFL career. So it is not a great quarterback setup for Mike Williams. It's not like he had a good quarterback setup last year either. I mean, Philip Rivers. He had a quarterback, up. though, that wanted to play his game at least, yeah, though. I mean, Philip Rivers wanted to play the kind of game Mike Williams is good at. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if either the new Chargers quarterbacks will even want to play that game. Yeah, it's it's a really good point because even how, you know, much on the the, the decline that Philip Rivers looked like, he still was trying to push the ball down the field with. I mean, he is one of those quarterbacks who does not care about interceptions on his stat sheet. Like if they're down seventeen points with a minute and a half to go, he's like, "Yeah, where's my goal? Let me throw him the ball downfield and <laughs> rack up these air yards." Okay, let's close out this wide receiver position with Alan Lazard. Fourteen spots up, he is now at the wide receiver sixty-two. Denny, I would say that some of this is probably recent. Devin Funches' opt-out, I think it did have a little bit of a ripple effect, whatever Devin Funches can't do anymore. And, uh, you know, this team still didn't add any pass-catching options this offseason. In fact, they're at negative one. And mm-hmm. it seems like Al Lazard, any time that Aaron Rodgers is asked about any other pass-catcher outside of Devontae Adams, he brings up Lazard's name. He talks about him a lot. You know, I feel like, I mean, you know, if you're basing, you know, your, your evaluation of Lazard on what Aaron Rodgers is saying, then, I mean, I think you have to take him in like the fifth round. I'm kidding. But um, so uh, here, here's a, here's a stat. I, and I, I don't know exactly what it means, but I, I did find it yesterday. Uh, of the wide receivers who have seen at least 50 targets from Aaron Rodgers, uh, Lazard has the second best adjusted yards per attempt only behind Jordy Nelson. I feel like that's not insignificant. You know, I, I don't know if he's going to see a ton of, of targets this year, but but he but he might just by default, you know. And so maybe it doesn't matter what you know you or me or anybody thinks of him as a as a player. 
Um, but, you know, just if he just stumbles into volume, then at wide receiver 62, I mean, in a lot of leagues, he's not going to be drafted. So um, at, at that price point, uh, again, it just feels like even with the slight rise since, I guess, Funches uh, opted out, you know, it feels like why not? Again, why not? Um, if you if you can just toss him on your on your bench and see what unfolds. Yeah, I mean the Packers. I mean he he's he is the guy for the number two receiver spot, right? I mean we just kind of like that is the thing now, and like the Packers desperately need some sort of downfield threat, and to me that's what Alan Lazard is best at. And I mean he the ADP is too low. I mean it's kind of hard to develop a strong opinion on Alan Lazard because we just still just don't know a ton about him. Didn't seem to have a ton of like on field chemistry with Aaron Rodgers last year. It was very kind of mistake prone connection but I mean they need him so badly and Rodgers is saying the right things and we just need to hope the hate and Aaron Rodgers' heart is pure enough to like fuel him <laughs> to like a wide receiver three uh type and I believe it is so I have faith in Aaron Rodgers in that regard so I the Alan Lazard's ADP is way too low darkness okay let's finish out with tight end uh we only have drops here Rob Gronkowski has dropped 14 spots in his ADP he's the tight end 10 right now Uh, last time we really saw him was 2018 i was a little bit surprised by this and maybe my memory is just that foggy but he was the tight end seven in fantasy points per game last season Uh, i don't think i have a single fantasy draft so far denny where i've drafted rob brinkowski do you he falls in a weird spot you know in in a 12 team league he, he falls in that sixth round area i mean i i will say off the bat that i i would much prefer Hayden Hurst 10 to 15 picks later um, for, for various reasons. But, you know, I I mean, Gronk is in the, probably the best offense of his career, right? I mean, as far as, as other pass catching options go. Um, And if we remember how opposing defenses used to treat him in new England, you know, he's constantly double teamed. They constantly, focused on shutting him down for, for, for good reason. And then the ball was obviously filtered down to Edelman and others. Uh, that's not happening here. You know, what, what are they, they going to do? Leave cornerbacks on an Island with, uh, uh, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, probably not, you know, it, I mean, probably Gronk gets a lot, you know, easier sort of coverage uh, as a buck than, than he ever did as a Patriot. Is he the same guy, you know, as he was, I mean, he's skinnier. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, how we factor that in. Um, but I, I have seen him drop in some drafts. And at that point, I'm interested. I just I don't know if I'm just grabbing him at ADP, though. I'm starting to feel like the I, I'm starting to honestly talk myself into Gronk as the tight Me end too. five. Because uh, so it's weird. We have this perception of Gronk in 2018. You know, I helped fuel it, I'm sure, on Twitter that. Like Gronk kind of like looked like someone on his last legs in 2018, mm-hmm. but even last legs Gronk, who as Denny said, was always getting double teamed, always the focus of the opposing defense's attention, still averaged almost 15 yards per catch, which is not out of line with his career norms, which is crazy for a tight end. You know, he's still this massive target in the red zone, and you know, I don't usually buy into like a year off is going to keep make this guy fresher or whatever, but I mean. Who has ever needed a year off from football more than Rob Gronkowski did? This is the massive beating he took. And he's only 31 years old. And, uh, yeah, I'm starting 
honestly, when I'm on the clock and if I'm, you know, say I, I wouldn't ever force the issue like this, but if I'm like need to decide between like Evan Ingram and Rob Gronkowski, I'm starting to go Rob Gronkowski. Interesting. I, I, I could be very dumb, but uh, yeah, that's the way I'm starting to feel. No, I think everyone has like, you know, found some of their favorites at that position. You know, I Hayden's really into Tyler Higby. I forever will like Evan Ingram, but I mean, I even like Austin Hooper now where he's going as like the tight end 14 in a lot of formats. His ADP's gotten ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it, the, he, tight end 14 is excessive. Like It's it got ridiculous. But, but if, <laughs> you know, as Denny mentioned, Gronk is in that area where I kind of feel like it's a little too early on these guys. But going back to your point, Pat, like I feel like when a player retires and leaves for a year and comes back, we just assume that he's super old, like he's Jason Witten or something. Like this is not Jason Witten returning to the Cowboys and then sticking on with the Raiders. Like Rob Gronkowski is a legitimate talent, still likely has it, maybe even better than the last time we saw him. And again, as Diddy mentioned, maybe sees less – coverage and focus than he has in previous years as well. It was with the quarterback who he's played with his entire career. Like when you put all these positives out, that's a lot of positives and, and very few negatives other than, you know, maybe him being just a round or two early where I feel comfortable taking a tight end at that spot. Yeah. Denny did make like the key point there where it is kind of no man's land in terms of like ADP, but just from like a pure ranking standpoint, I'm, I'm starting to feel more and more that Gronk is the tight end five. Let's close like it up with Mike. Over Ingram. Oh yeah, I like him oh, over yeah. Ingram. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's close <laughs> up with with, uh, with Mike Gesicki. Mike Gesicki is also down eleven spots. He is the tight end eleven. I don't know what to think of Mike Gesicki. Uh, I know he came into the NFL as like the best tester ever at the position, yeah. or one of them. He's like a very linear player, very straight line. Yet towards the end of last season, it finally felt like the Dolphins realized how to use. Mike Kosicki, now they have switched offensive coordinators. Now they've had, you know, two wide receivers opt out, another one who is coming off an injury. So it's basically just Devontae Parker and and question marks. Denny, I can make the case either way. Which side are you leaning here with Kosicki? I mean, yeah, I mean, you you mentioned the athleticism, 99th percentile burst score, 95th percentile speed score, and athleticism, as uh, my Living the Stream co-host JJ has pointed out recently, Athleticism is a key predictor of tight end breakouts, even though uh, it could be argued, obviously, that, that Kasiki has already uh, broken out. Uh, you know, his breakout coincided, as you guys know, with Preston Williams going down to that ACL injury uh, last November, I believe in the second week of November. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I would be all over Kasiki at tight end 11 um, if Preston Williams was for sure starting the season. Uh, you know, but it looks like that's in question and it looks like that pass catching a group is going to be so shorthanded uh, to start the season. I mean, I'm sure they'll bring in somebody at this point, but um, you know, it, it, it's a team like we talked about uh, last time I was on the pod last week, uh, the dolphins are, are going to throw a lot again this year. There's just no way around that. So the opportunity could definitely, uh, definitely be there for Gusecki, no matter who's starting at quarterback. Um I guess this is a long way of saying I really like him at tight end 11. His his ADP is like going to be like this weird yo-yo now because of the opt-outs. And like the argument against Jusecki had been that a lot of this was forced by injury, like uh, you're kind of just like favorable circumstances that he was still an inefficient player, like very bad from like a yards route 
Perun perspective, but yeah, I mean, now again, he's back in the same situation now, almost overnight where he's clearly one of the Dolphins top three targets. Like they're going to need a lot of Mike Jusecki and yeah, right on the tight end one, two uh, borderline feel that's like very uh, palatable for Mike Jusecki. Before we close this out, I do have just a few random ADP changes that I wanted to throw out. Uh, Reichel Armstead has dropped 33 spots in the last two months, which to me, I would have expected to go the opposite direction because that's at least how I'm drafting him. Uh, Anthony McFarland is dropping 25 spots. Uh, Again, I would think the opposite way. Zach Moss, maybe because of his mentions on this podcast, is up 16 spots as well. So, uh, yeah, these ADP changes might not be as significant um, and obviously I'm not mentioning like, you know, LaShawn McCoy and DeAndre Washington. I know all of you listeners are in tune with those, um, but maybe we'll do another one of these episodes towards the end of the month. If there are any more significant ones as we go along. Good job, guys. This is fun. Thanks for doing this. And by the way, everyone out there, there have been many podcasts we have done this off season that you can still go back and listen to that are hopefully still beneficial. Um, we did our must haves our, our favorite players that we have to exit every single draft with both in June and July. I would advocate for those. We do fancy drafts each and every month. In fact, we did one earlier this week. We've done middle round strategies with Pat. We've done late round strategies as well. So again, just cycle through and see which uh, episodes pique your interest and, and go and listen to those. Even if, Denny Carter is not on them. Um, they're still worthwhile. They're still worthwhile. <laughs> Denny, I hope yeah. you have a long line of of reviewers lining up this weekend. I know you. Say, by the way, don't go to Denny's house. Uh, <laughs> do not, under any circumstances, go to Denny's house. His wife will. It's leave on him. Google Maps somewhere. It's on Google Maps somewhere. Okay. His wife will leave him. Do not do it. Right. Yeah, they, she will actually. And be sure to go check out Denny's column about garbage time. I read it. I just you know forgot who. Thanks. Who wrote it? So go and check that out. All right. So for Denny Carter, for Patrick Darty, I am Josh Norris. Up the velo. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.